Well, good morning, friends. I'm so glad you could be with me today as we're in God's Word together. If you've been with me, you know we're in the midst of a study of the book of Romans. We're in the first chapter. Yesterday, we began looking at verses 16 and 17. We're going to continue that today, Lord willing. I want to read those verses to you to get us started. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, meaning the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul was talking about his desire to be in Rome, his desire for mutual ministry, his desire for fruitfulness, and his desire to carry out the sense of obligation that God had laid on his heart. Paul felt obligated to share the gospel. He felt obligated because he knew it was the cure for the true disease. The permanent fatal disease of humanity is sin and its consequences. And the solution to it is nothing less than the gospel. And therefore, Paul was eager to share it, eager to want to come to Rome along with other places and proclaim that message. Now, why? Yesterday, in these two verses, we began to discover the answer. Because Paul had confidence in the power of the gospel itself. He was sure that God's word, and understand that gospel is simply God's word, the scriptures, those portions of the scriptures that talk about what Jesus Christ did for fallen mankind, the gospel, God's word, would impact in people's lives. He had confidence. He knew that that word of God had power, that gospel had power. We talked about the Greek word translated here, dunamis, which refers essentially to inherent power, inherent ability. He knew the word of God had inherently power connected to it. He knew it because he knew first and foremost that the gospel was God's word and and it was God-breathed just as all of the scripture was. He knew that that word works in people. We read yesterday in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, where he said, I knew you believers, I was thankful for the fact that you people at Thessalonica did not receive the gospel I shared with you as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God. He knew it had power because it was God-breathed word. It was not something human beings came up with. It's something the God who is really there revealed to us, the revealed answer to the incurable dilemma of humanity. He knew that word was God-breathed, sharper than any two-edged sword, and would penetrate into people's lives. Well, that's where we've been. Let's continue to unfold these verses, these very important verses in Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The core power of the gospel message It can save people. It can save people who need saving. (laughs) The word salvation here is an important word, satiria in the Greek. It refers to the idea of being saved, being delivered, being preserved. 
It has all of those connotations in the Greek language. Essentially, it describes a situation where someone gains soundness or wholeness out of brokenness. Here's the point, brothers and sisters. No one needs saved unless they're broken and marred and unhealthy. You need saved from something. And that is the condition of all humanity. God says all of humanity is broken, marred, and lost. In fact, to drive that point home, we're going to find that the latter part of chapter 1 and then throughout chapter 2 and into chapter 3 of the book of Romans, God is going to keep turning our attention back to the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are lost. All need the good news of the gospel in their lives. And God says, I want you to see people the way they really are. I want you to see them through my eyes. And my scripture gives you that perspective. I want you to see people, no matter what they may look like on the outside, I want you to see them as marred, broken, sinful, and lost. And I want you to see them as hopeless without the good news to change the situation. They are standing because of their sin and rebellion, separated from me, and they are standing facing an eternal accountability for their sin and rebellion. It doesn't matter the distinctions between moral success or lack of it among human beings. The fact of the matter is the greatest commandment of all, as Jesus reminds us, is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's not just some ideal. What it means is if you don't do that, you're sinning against God. That's the greatest commandment. Who could stand and say before God, well, I, I did that commandment. None of us could. And as a result, even on the basis of that commandment, all of us stand as sinners before God and stand with the inevitable consequences of that sin. All humanity is broken and lost, marred, separated from God. And the gospel, the good news that Paul was so eager to proclaim, is the news that explains how God helps such fallen people. Here's the point. If we don't think that we or other people are really in the condition he's describing of broken and sinful and lost, the gospel's not really good news to us because we don't think we need good news. The good news that we're clinging to is the idea that, well, I think I'm good enough and God's going to accept me the way I am. But the Bible says that's a self-deception. You're not going to be accepted like you are. In fact, everyone is going to have to be accountable. As Hebrews chapter 9 tells us, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment before God. <laughs> no, the gospel is good news because it addresses the true problem. You know, sometimes people can have an illness. Uh, let's consider maybe a form of cancer or something. They don't even realize they have it, but the form they have is is a form that's going to lead to death. And and the fact they don't know they have it, or the fact they're even trying to deny themselves to themselves that they have it, doesn't change the fact they have it. And they need some cure. That's the way the gospel is to the true problem of humanity, which is a sinful heart. The gospel is good news to the truth. 
Now, what changes the inherent power of the gospel? Remember that dunamis is the inherent power. It has this capability. What changes it from inherent into transforming power in a person's life? And the answer to that is that it becomes transforming power, not just convicting power in our life, when we place our faith and trust and reliance in that very good news. When we admit that what it says about us is true, when we acknowledge what God says is accurate about our own hearts, and then we believe and rest in what the gospel tells us was God's great solution. Believe and rest in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us to solve our sin problem and reconcile us to God. Let's put it a different way. This power of the gospel that Paul is not ashamed about and wants to share, is confident to share because of, he says, this power of the gospel remains unused, only inherent in a sense, until a personal choice of faith in Christ unleashes it. Without an act of faith, without the determination to accept what the scripture says as being true, and then resting in its promise of what Christ did for us, the power of the gospel, as dramatic as it is, will not save us. It saves us when we repent and believe in it. The gospel itself requires an action on our part. It requires us to repent and believe in order for the dunamis to be transforming in our lives. And then he says, listen, this power is possible for everyone. Your background, your gender, your race, your track record doesn't make any difference. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. But it's also the power of God unto salvation for no one who doesn't believe. You follow? It's that black and white. God says belief is the key. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I want to share it with people. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, it's appropriate for all. Do you have that kind of confidence in the gospel? Do you see it as that inherent power that can end up being transforming power? Are you challenging people as they hear it and you know they're being convicted about it to act on it? Even the tough ones? It can save anyone who repents and believes. And it will penetrate anyone's heart who hears it. But they have to make a decision to act on it. Well, more to say about this, and I want to concentrate, Lord willing, tomorrow on verse 17 of these two verses. Join me then, won't you? God bless.